Take my 
47 says, God reigns over all the nations, for he is seated on his holy throne. For the kings of the earth belong to God, and he is greatly exalted. You reign in all the earth, you reign in all the heavens, you're holy. You're seated on the throne, nothing can stand against you. You're
my vision, O King of my heart, is nothing else satisfies only you, Lord, and you
Hey, good morning, church. Let's all stand on up. Good to see you guys here. You guys glad to be here at church today? Let's praise our great God. He's deserving of all of our praise.
sing that. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for church. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning. I really mean that. Every week I say that, I mean it. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to welcome you to Salem Heights Church. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us and hearing from God's Word this morning. We are glad that you are here. In the seat back in front of you, you'll see there's a visitor card. And if this is your first Sunday, we would just ask that you take a second to fill out that card and drop it off in one of our offering boxes and just let us know that you were here. Someone from our church staff will follow up with you and just make sure that you have all your questions answered about uh, what our church believes and what we've got going on in this season. If you are a newcomer, I just want to make a simple reminder today that after second service today, and we've actually had to move it to the chapel area, we are having our newcomers lunch. And this is for anyone who's joined our church Uh, over the pandemic, someone who maybe has come over the last year and a half and hasn't really had a chance to meet our staff and interact with some of our people. Uh, We've got a number of people coming today, so you won't be the only one. And if you forgot to register, that's totally no problem. We want you there. So after second service, uh, around 1230 up in the chapel, uh, we're going to have lunch. Um, A number of our staff members are going to be there. We're just going to be able to introduce ourselves to you and get to know you a little bit. So that's going to be a great time of fellowship. I hope you can make it. I've got one more special announcement, and this is for all our parents in the room. I am excited to share that Sunday, August 8th, we will be returning to a full slate of D6 and cause ministry on Sunday mornings. That means from birth through fifth grade, our D6 ministry will be open. Um, You don't need to register. You can come and check your kids in. And uh, we're going to have classes in first and second service. Cause is a little bit different. Uh, We are actually going to be holding our Cause Sunday morning service in the chapel during the 11 o'clock service. So if your kids are in middle school and high school and want to attend that, that's going to be at the 11 o'clock service um, here starting August 8th. We're excited. I know Tim's excited. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) And uh, I know Tara is as well. And so we are excited to bring that back and be able to minister to your children in a unique way on Sunday mornings. 
Well, we've got one special uh, update for you, and I'm going to ask Pastor Matt to come up here and make that announcement. Good morning. You know what's awesome is watching God take people from darkness into light, and then in the midst of that new life, they go off and share the good news of a risen Savior who makes people whole and change the world. So I'm going to invite uh, Josh and Matt to come up with Be Bold Street Ministries. We're going to, this morning, they are headed to Costa Rica. You guys didn't know it, but this Friday is Costa Rica Friday. Now you know. But they're headed to Costa Rica on, on Friday to do a preliminary trip to get things ready for another trip that's coming, right? Will you share with the folks really quickly, right? Something that you want to, them all to know as you guys are heading out Friday. And then Josh is going to share. You've seen the fires down in Klamath. We actually have a most excellent way in Klamath Falls and a Bold Street Ministries chapter in Klamath Falls. He's going to share really quick what's going on there and how we can help. So engage. So we are absolutely going to share the good news of our risen Savior who makes his people whole in Costa Rica and all the other locations that the Lord deems fit to send us. And with our ministry partners down there that have been there a couple decades, um, the Lord has provided us opportunities to share with indigenous peoples that have never heard the gospel. We're hoping to get into La Reforma prison, which is one of the most dangerous prisons in the world. And we will absolutely be doing street evangelism, reaching out to different churches and congregations and encouraging the body. There's so much that's going to be taking place. So we absolutely are asking you to partner with us in prayer. Your prayers matter. Prayers of the righteous can accomplish much. And that's what we're asking for, that through the prayers of the righteous, God would accomplish much, all for his glory and his kingdom, as we go share the good news. So I want you guys to know that that was done in record time. Yes. Oh, my word. I get to travel all over the world with this guy, and that is a first. Um, so, yes, we do have a most excellent way, and we do have a Be Bold Street Ministries down in Klamath. So just over a year ago here in Marion County, we struggled with the fires. Be Bold was able to come and minister to the county um, and those that struggled with loss of everything. Well, our team down in Klamath is now doing the same thing that we were. Uh, we have come together with them, Matt and I, as soon as we get back from Costa Rica. Our wives and I are taking a trip down to Klamath to meet with our leadership team down there, as well as uh, Klamath County, to partner with them and figure out how we can help. One of the ways that they're asking for us to help is with backpacks. All of those families that have lost everything, those kids are going to go to school. Uh, Klamath, uh, they start school at the end of August, and those kids will be going to school. So if you go to their website, Klamath County school district website, ignore, forgive me for saying this, the youth requirements. They're asking for $25 instead of the actual stuff. Don't worry about that. The middle school and the high school kids, there is a list, backpack and school list items. When we are down there, Be Bold will meet with the school district and write a check so that we can help with the younger kids. We're not asking that from you guys, just the backpacks and the requirements for middle school and high school kids. We're trying to do 100 backpacks and we leave, our event down there is the 21st of August, so we need them in the weekend before. So we're asking if you guys can pray with, you know, about that and partner with us so that we can come alongside those families that have lost everything. Our God is amazing, amen? 
Let's pray for these folks as they're heading out. Awesome Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this precious time with these two men, their wives, the rest of the Be Bold ministry here and down in Klamath. We're asking, Lord, right now that you'll protect them all the way down, during, and coming back. But more importantly, Lord, that lives will be transferred from that darkness into your beloved son's kingdom of light and that you'll grow people up down there that have been saved and that we can support ministries down there that that are, are vibrant and want to see people reached. Also, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in the community down in Klamath Falls and across the state of Oregon. And so we all went through what they're going through. Boy, we can feel it. We want to support them. And so may it be so. May we be able to step up in ways that we reach people with the gospel. Because we know if Be Bold shows up with backpacks, they're going to show up with the gospel. And we're thankful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's put our hands together. Praise God. Thankful for those guys. Singing Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I sing. Oh,
ourselves humble, God, in due time you will lift us up. God, we thank you for the promises of these words that we have sung, and now as we're about to hear promises spoken to us, I pray that they're not just words alone, but things now you want to minister to our hearts with, and you want to minister through us to this world that needs you desperately. God, thank you so much for, in your story and in your hand, placing us here in 2021 called us to great things. Help us to keep our eyes up to be aware of them. God, we love you and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. What you might not know is that uh, Tim found out he was leading worship late yesterday afternoon. Didn't he do a great job for us? I'm so thankful for our team who's able to pivot and flex and be able to continue to not let us skip a beat as we worship together. Many talented people um, here at Salem Heights, and I'm thankful for all of them. Hopefully you are too. Hey, this morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, so if you have a copy of God's Word, would you grab it and open it up to that little New Testament letter, Ephesians chapter 2. I was doing some research this last week, kind of through my files, and uh, this has been a book that I've, I've spent a lot of time on I've, as I've had a chance to preach here. I've, I've preached uh, quite a few messages out of Ephesians, and I just continue to come to, to love this little letter, to understand it more, and, and God keeps teaching me. But this morning we are, uh, again, in our series for this summer called The Fundamentals of the Faith, where we are taking time to highlight the things that we as a body of believers are supposed to be about, the things that we believe, the things that bring us together as a church. And so this morning we're going to be looking at the purpose of the church. I don't know how many of you still watch live TV with commercials. Uh, we are in a, a day and age where you don't have to do that if you don't want to. Uh, but there's actually a, a funny commercial right now that the Hyundai uh, Motor Company put out where they're asking all these rhetorical questions, like, why are there interstate highways in Hawaii? Why does quicksand work so slow? If you enjoy wasting time, is it really wasted? Is there an exception? If there's an exception to every rule, is there, is there an exception to that rule? Shouldn't the word ambiguous have more than one meaning? 
Why do they call it your funny bone? Ever hit it? It's not funny. <laughs> and if you had amnesia and were cured, would you remember that you forgot? <laughs> Sometimes these are the questions that are just silly. They're good questions. But here was the tagline for this latest commercial to try to get you to buy their car. Question everything. I can't think of a more fitting question that summarizes our culture than that statement. Question everything. Now, I want you to understand, we uh, at Salem Heights, our, our team, our pastors, our leaders, our staff, we actually are, are not afraid of questions. We will make time for you about anything, theological, personal. We will spend time to try to unpack and we'll go to God's word because we want to place ourselves underneath what it says rather than place ourselves over what it says. We're not afraid of questions because we believe that time and time again, God's word being sufficient and qualified and timely always comes through to meet us in our need and answer the questions that we have settles our hearts. It gives us direction. But there is so much questioning going on in our culture that it's actually, un, it's not beneficial, that it's leading some people to question whether church even matters. You may not know this, but there is something that has kind of been on the rise called churchless Christianity. And so I have a question of my own this morning. Is there such a thing as churchless Christianity? Can you be a Christian and not part of the church? Can you be part of the church and not a Christian? There are some who have said things like, Christians don't need to belong to a visible church. By virtue of the Spirit and faith in Jesus, every Christian will belong to an invisible church. But identifying with a local expression of Christ's body is simply not necessary. And in some cases, it's actually detrimental to your faith. That's actually a belief. Some have actually said this. This is another quote from another person who wrote a book on this topic. He said, The church is no longer where we run to in order to be saved, but we are told we must run from it in order to truly find God. Now, I want you just to think a moment over the last 18 months. How has the last 18 months shaped and impacted the way you view church? And not just talking about church, because again, church is not this room. I think I'm standing in a general location where an old modular used to be on a gravel parking lot where Pastor Justin had a big green metal army desk that he got from the, the state surplus where he sat behind it and challenged me in premarital counseling. And we built a building, a box. Do you guys understand that God doesn't live here the days when you're away, right? The church, as the Bible describes it, is believers. We are living tabernacles. He tabernacles inside of us. The Spirit of God is in us. So wherever we go, God is with us. But we are called to come together in bodies, little local assemblies, organizations, as the church, for a specific purpose. But I wonder over the last year 
if we have begun to question how important the church is in either direction, how necessary it is. Now, like we've said every week in this series, these are broad topics. It would take too much time to hit every caveat and little, little kind of outlet where we could look in the scriptures and find true information about the topic. So this morning, we can't talk about everything. I mean, there's so much we can talk about when it comes like, what is the church? What's its purpose? What's its structure? What's its mission? What's its organization? What are the practices it's supposed to be about? Um, Those are all important things. And in our Fundamentals of the Faith class, we do take time to kind of go deeper in some of those topics. But for this morning, my goal is simple. I want to try to help us remind ourselves of the answers to two simple questions. The first is this, what is the church? And the second is, why do I need it? Now, in that first question, what is the church? I believe we will actually identify the purpose of the church as well. And so our text for this morning is going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. So if you have a copy of God's Word, would you stand with me as we read our text this morning, if you're able? Ephesians... Chapter 2, starting in verse 11. If you're ready, say ready. Ready. This is the word of the Lord. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope. And without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets which Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Do you believe that Christ did that through the cross? He did. You may be seated. Father God, as we turn our attention now to your word and we unpack this text, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures, that we'd be able to see the manifold wisdom that's presented in this text, and that, God, it would clearly help us answer what the church is and why we need it. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. I'd like to offer a simple definition as we try to quickly work through a few observations this morning on what the church is and why we need it. But here's a simple definition of what the church is. The church is not a community For perfect people, but a fellowship of sinners saved by grace through faith, a body being fit together for God's service, a home 
for God's family built on Christ. How many of you are thankful that the church is not a community for perfect people? Amen. Amen. Yes. But how many times do we maybe shy away from the body of Christ because we're not perfect? Because Yes, I believe that there's grace and forgiveness and God has called together a people by his own names, both Jews and Gentiles. That means what Paul's highlighting here is everybody was in need. And Christ, through his sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, now has made it possible for every person who believes in the gospel for their salvation to be part of the church And that he knew about all of your blemishes. He knew about all of your bents, all of your vices. He knew how many times you would continue to stumble over the same things. And how long it would take you to learn what it means to abide in Christ. And knowing all that, knowing how many times you would rebel and reject and and mess up. He said, I love them. I'm going to die for them. The church is not a place for perfect people. This this congregation, these local churches that are meeting all around the world today are little expressions of of people who have been saved by grace. The church is a fellowship of sinners saved by grace. That word fellowship is a big part of our church, right? Right? But what does that mean? Fellowship is a a company of equals or friends. So what makes us equal? As I look around this room this morning and know so many of you in your stories, this is a pretty ragtag bunch, myself included. And yet Christ has said, "This this is Salem Heights. Our commonality is built on our equal faith in Christ. And although there might be times in our lives where we share a common interest or a life stage, where we might have kids that go to the same school or who participate in the same activities, or perhaps we do a hobby together, or perhaps we even spend many years in discipleship or small group together, even though life will change and things will ebb and flow, we will always be able to come together under the banner of Christ because that's actually what has brought us together. Those things can change. Life stages can change. I can go from uh, newly married with kids to empty nester. And yet, I can still come and find a commonality because you and I are the same because we're in Christ. I love what it says here in our text this morning. Verse 17, it says, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those of you who were near. I would consider myself one that was near. Not because I'm Jewish, but because I I don't remember a time in my life where I wasn't Christian. I I don't. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not family and friends who can point out a time in my life before I actually made a profession of faith. It could point out my my bents. If you don't believe that, my cousin Kyle Rossi sitting right over there, my aunt and uncle attend this church. They've known me my whole life. They can tell you the stories. But the reality is this. 
as we live through life, th- those of us who are near God, I mean, we, we grew up in the church, like we knew the Bible drill. Some of us went to Awana and we had all the patches. We looked like a military general and like we were walking through and we could beat anybody in a sword drill. Those people who were still near to God still needed Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. Because apart from him, all the memory verses, all the time spent in, in BBS was not going to lead them into a relationship with God. Some of us in this room are those who are near, but we still needed Jesus. Then he says, but also he, he spoke a word of peace to those who were far away. There are some of you who you weren't raised in the church. Uh, there are some of you who are probably thankful when we put the, the words on the screen because it takes you a little bit longer to find your place in the Bible because you're not as familiar with it. And yet you are just as much as part of this church as anybody else. Because the peace that comes through the proclamation of the gospel was for those who were far away and those who were near because they all needed Christ. And so the church is not a community for perfect people, but a fellowship of sinners saved by grace through faith. And that is all of us. But it says here too that it's a body being fit together for God's service. In verse 15, it says, He made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Paul is saying that Christ came, and through his death on the cross, He's able to take these two people. Now, again, in this context, at the beginning of our passage, it says you were considered outside of God's people. Because back then, ethnicity and race made a huge difference to those who were close to God and those who were opposed to God. Sometimes we don't understand that very well because we we live in such a diverse culture. There's a lot of acceptance But this still exists in many parts of the world or based on your your race, your ethnicity. You are either an outsider or an insider, and there's nothing you can do to change that. And yet Christ came in and he said, it doesn't matter the color of your skin, where you've been born, what your background is. He tore down any hostility, anything that would cause you to be at odds and says, you are now brothers and sisters in Christ. You're under me. And so he says, he's building this church. He's, He's making the two one body. When we hear that word body, which is another way that the Bible um, tries to help us understand what this church is meant to be and what it's supposed to do, when we hear the word body, that reminds us that the church, again, is not just a, a, an inanimate building, but it's a living organism because the Spirit of God is living in it. It is a growing body. It's a maturing body. It has a purpose. And, and the Lord has built this together. He's put these pieces together intentionally for a purpose. Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology highlights three purposes for the church. What's the church been designed to do? What's it been designed to kind of to practice? And he kind of puts it into three categories. There's a ministry that the church has to God, a ministry it has to believers, and a ministry it has to the world. The church has been formed out of this broken world. He's pulled all these people together through faith, and he's, he's brought them together to minister to God through worship. 
We come to church on Sunday mornings to, to sing back to him the truth that he's revealed about himself, to affirm our belief in that, to affirm that our decision to say we're going to take what God says and we're going to glorify, we're going to raise it above any of the noise in the world. That's going to be our banner cry. That's what we're going to be about. And so we actually come and we worship God and we, we sing to him and we, we serve him as an act of worship and we listen to his word. That's one of the things the church is called to be. But the church is also called to have a ministry to believers. And this is the nurturing aspect of the church that God has brought us together so that we can all continue to grow spiritually, to grow in our understanding of God's word, to grow in our love for him, to grow in our gifting so we can be effective for him. And this is through the discipleship process where mature believers come alongside immature believers and say, let me show you in the scriptures what God has taught us. Let me show you what this means to apply it to your life. Let me walk alongside you so that I can bear your burdens and we can grow together to be effective for the Lord, to serve him. But the body of Christ, the church, has also been called to a ministry to the world of evangelism and mercy. We were called to make disciples to take that good news to people who haven't heard it, who are far away. We are the ones now that go to those who are far and to those who are near and say, you need Christ. But there's one other thing that he highlights about the church in our text this morning is that the church is a home for God's family built on Christ. He says here in verse 19, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. We've been placed into God's family. See, throughout the scriptures, the Lord in his graciousness is trying to explain something miraculous in terms that we'll understand. And so he says, you've been made into a a body. You are called together into a fellowship with a commonality of Christ. You are are called to be part of a, a family, the God's household. There are other descriptions that are given But what do we need to remember about the church when it's called a family? Well, a family, our our human families do a pretty good job of this. Think about all the things that it means to have family. Family is an opportunity for us to come together. Families oftentimes come together to celebrate significant things. We come together to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We come to celebrate that he is alive and active and at work currently in this world. We celebrate that he's coming again and we worship and thank him for including us in his family. Families oftentimes come together to to learn and to reflect and and to make commitments to what they're going to be about, what they're going to focus on. And we do the same. We come together as a church and we participate in communion or the Lord's table. And we participate in baptism. And we come together and we reflect on what God is doing. And we're making a commitment to abide in Him, to walk in the Spirit, and to forsake everything that the world is trying to drag us away to do. And as a family, we come together to reflect and commit. As a family, we also know that there's sacrifice and work to be done. 
I remember Dr. Allen several years ago uh, when he was here preaching to us, many of you were here for that message where he talked about there's a difference between the chores and the work, and yet the family is still responsible for all of them. There are things here as a family, as a church, that Salem Hiders need to be doing for one another. These are the, just the chores. It's actually not just put on the few pastors and staff members who are, are, are on the staff. It's actually the church, as a family, we share the chores. We share the work that has to be done here. But we're all called to a work outside of these four walls or outside of this assembly that we're also called to do. But we all share that because we're a family. And God, this is what Paul's trying to highlight. You've been placed in this household. You're no longer a foreigner or an outsider. You're part of God's household. And congratulations, you got some chores to do. But the beauty of that is that when we work together, God does something incredible in us and then through us for his glory. But one of the things that we are reminded of too when we hear this expression or this illustration of what a church is, and we hear the word family, that reminds us too that families are made up of all life stages. And and there are certain life stages that are more messy than others, right? And yet, parents are called to take care of those children. We don't tell our child when they're born, hey, you, once you start to be able to take yourself to the bathroom and feed yourself, then I'll start accepting you into this family. <laughs> no. Part of the responsibility we have of the gift of a child is to raise them up and to take that on and train them how to take on someone else when they begin to have kids. The same is true in the church. There are some people when they come in, they have lots of questions. They don't, they're maybe been far from Jesus or maybe they walked away from Jesus. And it can be messy as they struggle to overcome the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be a biblical church, that means bring the mess in because this is not a community for perfect people. This is a fellowship of sinners saved by grace. And we're going to walk alongside that. But sometimes we're like, I don't really want to be around the messy people. <laughs> right? You know, they say in life, you start messy and you end messy. So where, where, are, you, where are you at? The reality is this. We all have a responsibility to look out for each other as a family of God. And so we read this and we see, what is the church? The church isn't just a country club for people that think the same way. The church is a, a, a gathering of people in a local community, a local area, usually geographically that says we're coming together for a couple of reasons. One, I truly believe that if you call Salem Heights Church your home, it's because you've prayed and the Lord has led you to be part of our church. There's lots of churches in Salem. Drive a mile in any direction. You can find more churches to go to. Why here? If it's here because you like the worship, you like the preaching, you like the coffee, you like anything about this, that's the wrong reason. It should start with the, the Lord led me to Salem Heights Church. But he doesn't lead you there just to sit back because the Lord wanted me to be on a vacation the rest of my life. No, he brought me to this family and he said, okay, let's get to work. But he's brought you here too to be part of the, the worship. And what the beauty of this passage is, is it says that it's built on the foundation. The family God's built on the foundation of the, the apostles and prophets. 
when he's writing this and saying, those, are the, those were the people called by God to proclaim the word of God. So the church is built on the teaching of God's word. But ultimately, that teaching comes from the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. You know why that's so good? It's because in Christ, all the messiness and all the struggles it means to be a body and be a household and be together He's going to empower us. He's going to give us the patience to, to deal with one another. And he's actually going to be the one that causes the transformation and life change. If you came to Salem Heights Church because you're looking for people that will fix you, you're looking in the wrong place. Come to Salem Heights Church to be led towards the same God that those sinners are following who's causing all the life change. If there's any life that you perceive in us, it's not because of our diet. It's not because of the air we pump into this room. It's because the Spirit of God is alive and active in us. And you can have that. You can have that. Okay. I've got to get to the second question. And I've got four minutes. Hopefully, my main thing that you understood is that the church is not for people who are perfect, for people who are sinners, who, who God has saved and says, now I want you to put you in a family to help the process of transformation. Because left in my own desires, I'm probably not going to look so critically in the mirror at myself. I'm not going to be able to point out the blind spots. But in the church, we have people that will lovingly come alongside and say, hey, I think God wants to work on this here. Hey, will you come along here and let, us, let him grow us in this area while we serve together? But why do you need the church? Three things. The first reason why you need the church. And, I, and again, in the notes, I said, why do I need the church? This started with Pete Potloff. I need the church because I can't be the church apart from the church. I can't. Do I believe that when we were, when we were uh, kind of made the move to home churches that that, that was a difference? No, I think the church size isn't the matter here. But I do believe that I can't just be the church on my own, that I'm part of this invisible church because I believe in Christ, but I actually don't need to be a part of a gathering. The word in the Greek, in the, in the New Testament for church is ekklesia. It's an assembling together. It's, it's, a, it's a people who get together visibly. As I was writing this down, I started feeling, man, I'm preaching to the choir because I'm only going to be saying this to the people who are actually in the room this morning. But the reality is, if you haven't been tempted or if you haven't gone through seasons, there's always going to be a pool for mornings where I just don't feel like going to church today. But we cannot fulfill the one another commands all throughout the New Testament apart from the body of Christ because those are me serving another person. And it's hard for me to serve them if I'm not in their presence, if I'm not doing life with them, if I'm not knowing who they are and letting them get to know who I am. The body needs you. In 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us that the, the church is not just one part, but many. That means that everyone is different. That mean, it means that you can't say, well, it doesn't matter if I come because everyone's already like me and, and that need's going to get met. No, God uniquely made you. And he placed you in that body because hopefully he led you to this church. And you're saying, if I am not there participating and serving and growing and living and learning... Salem Heights Church suffers. And the ministry of Salem Heights Church is diminished. So our participation, why do I need the church? It's because part, my participation is an act of obedience. 
God, you called me to be part of a body. You called me to let people in. You've called me to, to serve others. That's inconvenient. That's sacrificial. That can be annoying. And yet, my life is not my own. What does Paul say? To live is Christ. Is that, is that your statement? To live is Christ. The second reason why I need the church is I need the ministry of the church to thrive. In Ephesians chapter 4, just a little while further on in the letter that we started out today, he says this in verse 11, speaking of Christ, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 15, But speaking the truth of love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. We grow in relationship to another. He has built this local church and he built all these little local churches and he's built the universal church to be a body and all these ligaments and tendons and muscles and bones are all connected and they're all supposed to work together. And by working together, they're actually promoting the health in each other. I need you to minister to me as much as you look to me to minister to you as I stand in front of you behind the pulpit. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm no better than you. I'm no greater than you. I just have a different role and gifting than some of you. And I've been called to be doing this, but I need you just as much as you need me. Because that's how God made it. That's how he created the body. And so I need the ministry of church to thrive in my life, to grow and to prosper and to have vibrancies because I'm being ministered to by the agent of ministry that God has left behind, the church. In Colossians chapter 1, we, we read this familiar passage in, in verse 25. Paul is saying this. Paul says, I become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Paul is speaking about his calling to be a missionary and a pastor. Paul goes on to say, we proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There is part of coming to a Sunday morning gathering or coming to another gathering where the the word of God is being proclaimed and taught, where we're worshiping together. That's part of the maturation process. If I'm not a part of that church, if I'm not coming to church and sitting under the preaching of God's word, it's going to stunt my thriving. It's going to stunt my maturing and growth. He says that we proclaim him, we're proclaiming Christ, admonishing in some of your translations or warning each other and teaching everyone with all the wisdom so that they may become mature. Because his goal is to present everyone complete or mature in Christ. I cannot mature apart from the church. You can say, well, I've been studying theology and I'm doing deeper dives than you're giving me on Sunday and I'm watching all kinds of YouTube videos and I've got a seminary degree. I'm telling you, those are all great things. Those are for you. Good. Those are good. But God 
has uniquely created the church to provide something for you in your spiritual maturing process that you will not find outside of the church. You need the church to thrive. You need it. Now, I say that knowing that some of you in the room this morning are here, hearing me talk so gloriously and affirming about the church, but you have hurts and disappointments from the church. Whether it's Salem Heights or other church experiences you've had in the past. And what I want to tell you is this. Just like a hypocritical Christian doesn't diminish the truthfulness of the gospel, a church that possibly has failed or sinned against you doesn't mean that God's plan for the church is no longer valid for your life. And we want to be a church that if we've ever caused hurt or pain, we are going to do everything that we can to pursue unity through the bond of peace. That doesn't mean that we'll always agree. But as family, do you always agree with everything that your family members say? No. But we're called to work through it, and we're going to work through that. And there are times where we have to just submit and say, you know what? Rather than being right, I want to be godly. Kevin DeYoung wrote a book on this topic. I really have appreciated it. It's called Why We Love the Church. And he said this, go to church. Don't go for the coffee, the presentations, the music, or the amenities. Don't even go for the feelings that you may or may not get when you go because, no offense, these feelings may or may not be trustworthy most of the time. Go for the gospel. Go for preaching. Go to be near God's word. We need the ministry of the church to thrive. Number three, last one. I'm vulnerable when I'm disconnected from the church. I'm at risk. In 1 Peter 5.8, Peter offers a warning. It's a very familiar verse to most of us. It says this, Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. One of the other terms that Jesus used to describe the church was a flock, a flock of sheep. Let me ask you a question. How long do you think a lone sheep can survive in the wild. You know, sheep, they can't defend themselves. They're not meant to fight off predators. In fact, if they get knocked over, they can't get back up without help. Jesus used that to describe you and me. And he said, I'm going to create a flock for you to be in, and I'm going to be the good shepherd, and I'm going to hem you in, I'm going to protect you if you will stay with the flock. But if you wander away, I'm going to warn you in my word that it says there is an adversary that's looking to destroy you, and he's sitting there watching. Which one is going to stray from the flock? So why would anybody, knowing this threat exists, pull away from the church? Why would we stop going? Why would we start, stop participating? Why would we stop putting ourselves under the ministry of the church? Proverbs 18.1 gives us an answer. Proverbs 18.1 says, The one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. My suggestion is, is that if we pull away from attending church and being part of a local body, 
Even if there's been hurt or pain or there's something wrong, and I'm not talking about if there's glaring theological differences or something that is heretical being taught or done, but those times where it's just not, it's just not suiting my fancy, it's just not, I'm not, just, I'm not enjoying it. I believe Proverbs is alluding to it, implying that we are oftentimes pulling away because we don't want authority. We don't want to recognize spiritual authority. We, we don't want accountability. I don't want to serve. I want to be served. So we begin to pull away, and yet we're totally turning a deaf ear to the warning that says... Stay near the flock. Stay near the good shepherd for your protection. There have been people placed over these little local bodies of believers who have been charged to be under shepherds to the good shepherd. We're here to watch out for you, to protect you, to serve you, to love you. So we really just have two options. Your two options this morning, knowing that The church is not a place for perfect people, but you need the church, even with all the imperfections it has. Your your options this morning are first to be an attender or to be a member. An attender is a spectator or a consumer. Someone that comes weekly, I go to church, I go to Salem Heights, but really I'm just coming to to watch the service and to have people pour into me, but that's all. And, and on the surface, that satisfies us because we think we get the most out of a church when we approach it this way. Man, I love that church. They're just so good to me. They just always make me feel so welcomed and they serve me and they welcome me and they tell me they're praying for me. And yet that's different than someone who's truly being the church. See, the counter to that is, is what some churches call a member, but this is just literally a participator, a contributor, someone that says, I'm not just coming to be fed, I'm coming to serve. I'm not just coming to be kind of blessed, I'm coming to be a part of that family. The Lord has led me there. And the reality is we actually gain more from this approach. Yesterday in this room, I was, I was able to attend the, the Celebration of Life service for Amy Watanabe, who just passed away. Amy attended Salem Heights Church with her husband, Charlie, for over 40 years. And this room was full of people who had been doing life with the Watanabes for multiple decades. No obligation to be here. Some of you, I'm looking around, were in the room yesterday. Why did they show up? That's family. That's family. I mean, we use the term sometimes, you know, Salem Hider. Are you a Salem Hider? That's not an exclusive club. There's no special handshake. Sometimes it's actually offensive because it's like, are you making me commit to this? Do I have to get like a tattoo or something? No, it's not. But what does it mean to be a Salem Hider? A Salem Hider, someone says, I'm all in. I'm here. I'm just here to serve. I'm here to participate. This is my family. There's going to be some some rough times, some times where we get agitated each other, but we're always going to pursue unity through the bond of peace because God has called me here. So let's be the church. I've been thinking and praying as we get ready to head into the fall where we typically launch our ministry year. 
And we're going to be sharing in the next couple of weeks some more information about bringing back small groups and discipleship groups and doing some things that have been kind of changed and altered over the pandemic. But the reality is, I don't want to just activate us to consumerism. Because you know what the problem is with being a consumer or a spectator? Is that our individualistic society is going to constantly try to get us to view church in the same way we view our cell phone provider. Too slow. Need more RAM. I need an upgrade. I'm going to go to that church. They're giving them away for free this morning. No, let's not do that. Let's be in and let's be the church. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to each other. In Colossians, it tells that Colossians 3, it says they gathered together and they worshiped and they sang to each other and admonished and taught each other with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says they gathered together to provoke each other. Now some of you are like, I'm in for that. But that's not what it means. It means to stir them up to what? Love. Love who? Not themselves, God. And by extension, to love and good deeds. Love God, and then I'm going to love others. Encouraging each other as we see the day of his return approaching. Salem Heights, let's be the church. If you're new, welcome to the family. Let's be the church. Let's not put the chores on the backs of just a small few. Let's be a church that says everyone grabs a hold of that net so that we can pull in the catch that the Lord is going to provide. Let's be the church. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for being the one that came and made it possible for us to be in your family. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you for the people who, who are here, who are participating. They're contributing. God, I thank you for those who are new. And, and God, I pray that we just we would seek you this week, that we would ask, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to be about in the coming year? How can I be the church? What would that look like? And that, God, we would see the call that not only am I called to be a part of it, but I need it. And if there are any things that I'm struggling with, that I would be used by you to be the instrument of refining spirit-led change. But that, God, we would be the church, that we would thrive together, that we would protect each other, and that we would fulfill the purpose you've laid out for us, to worship you, to nurture one another through discipleship, and to take the gospel to those who've never heard it. Father God, help us to be your church. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Super thankful for you. Thank you for listening this morning. Hopefully that was encouraging. We've got some discussion questions up here on the screen. I think this is a great week to gather with a few other believers and talk about how you guys can be the church in this next ministry year. We love you guys. Have a great week. I believe in the risen
Jesse Carr.